What a day, Easter. Well, I don't really like the term Easter. Resurrection Sunday, right? What is also called in some places Easter. (laughs) Um, It's a blessing to be able to share with you all this morning. Um, Typically, and I share this a lot, but typically I I try to avoid preaching on holidays because I always feel kind of caged in, like I have to preach some message about this thing and but why would you not be excited to talk about Jesus' resurrection, right? And uh, so I was thankful to have some time to pray and just see what the Lord had for us this morning. So um, I want to start us off with another short prayer. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters here that we can come and gather as one body. And Jesus, you prayed that we would be one with each other just as you were one with the Father. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be a reality that we experience, that you would knit us together in love, Father, in your spirit and by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that it was your sacrifice on the cross, Lord, that we remember today that has brought us into your kingdom and not of any work in ourselves. Lord, we come humbly before you, asking for you to speak your word to us. And Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke uh, 24 today. And this is actually on the other side of the cross. Jesus has, um, so far, he's come to Jerusalem. He had the last supper with his disciples where he broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. He lifted the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant in my blood. And then he was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He was handed over to his own people, the leader of his own people. They persecuted him, lied about him, delivered him up to Pontius Pilate. And after Pontius Pilate told them again and again, I find no fault in this man, they yelled out all the more, crucify him, crucify him. And Pontius Pilate washed his hands and said, I'm innocent of the blood of this man. And And Israel responded, let his blood be upon us and our children. And so it was they took Jesus They beat him, they mocked him, and they put him on a cross. They hanged him on a tree, as it it were. And there, he gave up his spirit to the Father, crying out to tell us that it is finished, where he took the judgment that we each deserve for our sin. It was our selfishness, it was our deceit, it was our envy and every wicked thing born out of our hearts that put Jesus on that cross. And it was the love of God that willingly accepted that sacrifice on our behalf. So we're actually going to pick up in Luke 24 on the other side of Jesus' death and, and burial. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and other certain women with them came to the tomb where Jesus had been laid, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. 
It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with him who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they had talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name, uh, Cleopas, answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. And all that the prophets had spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did our heart burn? Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told them about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hand and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have the flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. 
Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, this is verse 46, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So that is the final chapter in the book of Luke. And I thought it necessary to, to read that whole chapter and to really see kind of what the experience was, not with just Jesus rising from the dead, but really the experience that the disciples had in coming to terms with his resurrection. The title of our message today is uh, Our Great Miracle. Our Great Miracle. And you know, there's a scripture, um, I, didn't, I didn't write it down, I think it's in John where Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father first draws him. No one can come to me unless the Father first draws him. And if you're in this room and if there's any faith, if there's any conviction in your heart about who Christ is, it's because God first drew you to himself in grace and in mercy. And we're going to talk about our great miracle today because there's something um, obviously spectacular in the resurrection of Christ from the dead, that Jesus, he wasn't just murdered and resurrected, that he actually gave up his life and he took it back up himself. But there's actually an even greater miracle that Jesus did for us that we should celebrate and that we should remember today. And that is the miracle of belief, of faith. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. That means if you have any faith in yourself at all, where did it come from? It came from Jesus. Scriptures say salvation is a free gift given in Christ Jesus. And so this is the reality we come to today, that God's greatest work for us was allowing us to believe. I want to return just briefly to, um, starting in verse 9. So these women, they had gone to the tomb looking for Jesus, and they come and they found the tomb empty. Christ is gone, and these angels come to him and say, what are you here for? Why are you looking for someone living in a place where the dead dwell? Your Lord is risen. And so they run back and they go to the, the 11 who are there 
And they tell, the women tell them the story. And it's interesting in verse 11, to the disciples of Christ, to Jesus's best, most intimate friends for three, three and a half years, to the men who Christ openly divulged all of his plans and information to, they go back and they say, hey, Jesus is not in his tomb. And in verse 11, it says, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. They did not believe them. That really stood out to me. How in the world Jesus literally said, hey, uh, by the way, um, I'm going to be murdered and crucified, and three days later, I'm going to rise up from the grave. Okay, got it? And then three days later, after he was murdered and crucified, he rose from the grave. And the women came back and said, hey, Jesus was murdered and crucified and rose from the grave. And they were like, no way. (laughs) No way. Y'all guys are tripping. What? What in the world? If there was anyone on planet Earth who was going to believe that testimony, it should have been the disciples of Jesus Christ. And the scriptures said, but they did not believe. See, we give Thomas a hard time. He was not the only one, okay? But then it says, check this. They did not believe them, but Peter. But Peter arose and he ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths, the cloths wrapped in spices that wrapped Jesus' body, the cloth that wrapped his face, these expensive cloths that would have been packed with very expensive spices that if anyone was going to rob a grave, they would have left the body and taken those. There's no money in bodies. Not dead ones anyways. They would have taken the cloths, they would have taken the spices, and they would have left Jesus, but he went there and there are these linens folded and left alone in an empty tomb. And he departed marveling in wonder, basically, to himself on what had happened. Peter, the one who said, I will never leave you, even if all these forsake you. I will not. He was in wonder. Then Jesus appears to these two men on their walk to Emmaus. And he comes up beside them and he begins to speak with them. And it says that they were blinded. They were literally face to face with their king, their resurrected king. They were hearing his words and they were blinded. And he says in verse 25, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe and all the prophets have spoken. These events, this was not new news. It says that he started in Moses and through all the Psalms and through all the Old Testament, all the prophets, he expounded how everything in our Bible points to Jesus. Everything is from and for Jesus Christ to his glory. And he began to show them. And he said, how could you not get it? How could you not believe the scriptures? Oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe. But then this really interesting thing happens. As they were going into the city, they, again, they had seen him face to face. They had heard his words and they still 
They were blind. But they asked this super awesome thing. They asked Jesus to do one thing that I thought was like amazing, that we should all take note of. They asked Jesus, abide with us. Just abide with us. And he did. I could just preach on that right now. We could just preach a whole sermon right there. Abide with us, and he did. And he took bread, and he broke bread with with his brethren, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they saw him for who he was. They had known Jesus. They had seen him. They had heard his words. They knew the scriptures, but they were blind and unbelieving. But as they invited Jesus in to abide with him, and as he broke fellowship with them in an intimate place, he opened their eyes, and finally they believed. Finally they believed. And they ran. They were seven miles from Jerusalem at the end of the day. I don't think it says they ran back, but they probably ran back. Because that's a long walk. And it's dark. And they go back, and you know what the first thing that happens is they get there, and Jesus had appeared to Peter. And once again, Jesus appears to them as they're all together. And he says, why, 38, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And he once again shows them, and it says in verse 45, that he opens their understanding to understand all the Old Testament scriptures concerning himself. And so here's what I want to offer you today. Here's what I want to offer you today. If it was so difficult for his own disciples to believe, if they had heard him and seen him face to face and still were blinded in unbelief, why would we have any other expectation for anyone else in our life, our brothers, our friends, our coworkers, our family, ourselves, ourselves? Are you more faithful than Peter who walked on water? I'm not saying you're not. Are you? It is more likely that as you leave this church today, the pebbles will sing hallelujah, great is our Lord to you, then it is that one sinning person will repent and believe in of his own strength. It is more likely that the trees will fall down before you and build a boat out of themselves than it is for you to have strength and faith in yourself to call out on the Lord Jesus without his help. The biggest miracle that Jesus has given us was not just his life, was not just a death on the cross. Because there are many people who can say, yes, I know who Jesus is. Yes, I know he died on the cross. Yes, I know he's the Savior. What does that mean for me? 
and they do not believe. You can tell them your testimony and they do not believe because they are blinded, blinded in their faith. And there are things in your life, perhaps, where you know the scripture says that God is our healer, that God is our peace, that God is our refuge, that God is our strength, that God is our provider, that all the fullness of your life is found at his feet and not in the world, not in the relationships, not in the finances, not even in your health, but in a dwelling ever abundant relationship with Jesus. And yet, as our hearts are convicted, and as we look at where we spend our time, where we spend our money, what, what relationships we cultivate, we realize we have not believed his words because we still find our satisfaction everywhere else and wonder why we're never satisfied. Jesus has offered the way, the free gift of salvation in his death and resurrection. And it's by grace through faith. Through faith. Through faith. And where does our faith come from? It's a gift of God. But it's interesting to me, this process, right? Again, when they came back and they, hey, Jesus is risen, and they're like, They didn't believe him at all. But there was something stirring in Peter's heart. He was part of the group that says they did not believe, right? There was something stirring in Peter's heart just enough, just strong enough that made him get up and go look at that tomb himself. There was something moving in his spirit. And when he saw that their words, at least about the empty tomb, were true, He believed. No, it doesn't say that. He did not believe. He marveled. He was in wonder. He was in awe. But you see, Jesus used the word of these women to stir something in his heart. And as his heart stirred, he went and he saw and he experienced something and he knew something had happened. He still didn't quite understand that it was Jesus truly fulfilling his words, but he knew something real had happened. And it was in the awe and it was in the wonder and it was probably in these silent prayers, these silent questions that he had in his heart and his mind that no one heard, but God heard them. It does not give us the account, but when these men from Emmaus come back, it said that Jesus had appeared to Peter personally and answered those questions and answered that stirring in his spirit. And just like the men on the walk, and just like the men in the room, where it says that he opened their understanding, it was through these series of events, it was through seeing and hearing, and seeing and hearing, and it was through the wonder and the stir that Jesus came and allowed them to believe on his name to give them faith, to bless them, and then gave them the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, that they too could be witnesses, not because they heard, not because they saw, because the men on the road heard and saw and they were still blinded, but because they believed. And because Jesus did something real in their faith, 
I want you to think about the relationships you have in your life, your family, your mother, your, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins. Think about the coworkers. Think about maybe the people you go to school with. And it's funny, as, as people go out and they try to share their faith, there's always that kind of, they see this person and they're like, they look at him up and down, they're like, ah, oh, he doesn't want to hear it anyways. Oh, that guy's definitely not going to believe what I have to say. I'm going to go talk to this person. They seem very nice. <laughs> I have a friend named Vincent Medina who's about this tall and about this thick, and he was 19 years Mexican mafia, 16 years in prison, flat. He's covered in tattoos, and he's one of my best friends. And he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you saw him posted up like this in a coffee shop, you would not want to talk to him. (laughs) I guarantee you. I guarantee you. And he believes in Jesus because Jesus gave him faith. And it was no easier for him to believe than it was for the person who showed up to every Sunday school since they were six years old. Christ's grace to us, his mercy, that undeserved favor, is that he calls us into his kingdom. And that without his calling, without his blessing to allow you to believe, you would not be here today. You would be wherever those people you just thought of who are far from him were. So as we honor the Lord in his resurrection today, we have to remember that this salvation is not of ourselves. You did not one morning wake up and decide to be a good person. And if that's your religion, it's not the saving faith of Jesus Christ. It was something that was granted to you while you were still an enemy of God, that he died for the ungodly and called you near. And as you heard and as you saw and as questions formed, questions that were never even asked, He answered them. And we have to honor the Lord knowing that it was truly nothing in myself. There is a fear of God in my heart when I understand that if God wouldn't have saved me, I would not be saved. Because I could have never saved myself. So I also want to encourage you that as you consider the people that God puts before you, Why does an unbelieving person want to go to church? They probably don't want to go to church. So please invite them to church, but do not be surprised if they don't come, okay? Why not meet them with Jesus on the road, in the room, where they're at? And understand that if Jesus does not show up and simply open their eyes when you declare the gospel to them, that they will not be saved. But if Jesus simply shows up and opens their eyes as you speak to them, they will be saved. You cannot convince anyone to join the kingdom of God. It does not work that way. But just as Jesus spoke, just as the women spoke, just as these people testified and something stirred inside Peter's hearts, the men on the road, he said, did not, his, did not our hearts burn as he spoke to us? I have experienced that burning, my friends. And I know that as we are faithful to just share with joy what Jesus has done as a free gift, not to even convince anybody of anything, but to declare to them the truth that I have received, that there will be a burning 
There will be a stirring in some of those people's spirits. And there will be questions that are raised in their hearts. And it is Jesus who will come and will answer them. And because he died on the cross, when they believe, their faith is accounted to them as righteousness. Because whatever they've done in their life, he paid for. He paid for. And God is satisfied with his sacrifice. And I want to just remind you to do one thing in your daily walk with Jesus, which is the same thing these men did. Jesus was going to keep on going on. Okay, their life was here. Jesus was over here doing something great. Who knows? They were going to be over here eating bread, doing whatever they were doing. But instead, they said, Jesus, will you abide in us? Will you abide with us? And he did. And Jesus says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. And that's the same gift and promise he gives us every day. Every day. I had someone ask me, what are you, what are you doing for Holy Week? I was like, Holy Week? Every week's holy. What are you talking about? Every day is holy to me, baby. Jesus is right here. Every day. Because I can say, Lord, will you not go on without me? Will you abide with me? And will you teach me today? And he says, yes, son, I will. And as we invite others in, if you have a life full of Jesus, you don't have to send them to church. You send them to you. Jesus is there. We invite others in as we break bread with these people, as we begin to speak about who Christ is and how he's not in the grave, about his payment was sufficient. And he does have a promise of the Father to give new life through the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who opens the eyes of understanding for these people we minister to. We simply need to have faith. So as we close today, I don't want you just to take this as an evangelistic message. I want you to take this as a workshop for your heart. Because there are areas in your life where you have been unbelieving. There are areas in your life where you have been faithful. There are areas, I just spoke to a couple at the cross and was, was counseling them about their marriage and their bitterness and these things. Yesterday, uh, they came up to me after I spoke and had these things going on, and I just began to expound on Ephesians 5 and, and give them a plan. Here's how I want you to walk with this plan. And the husband was a Bible study leader in a church. And they said, you know, it's, it's crazy. We know these things. We know everything you're telling us. We know them but I guess we just needed someone to give us something to commit to. I don't want to know what you know. I want to know what you do and what Christ is doing in you. Identify those areas of faith that you're struggling with. Identify those areas where you know the word, but you're not doing the word. And ask Jesus to abide in that place, to open your eyes and to give you faith. This whole last week, I had this weird problem where I just felt like, mostly at home, that I wasn't really being mean, I wasn't saying anything mean, but I was just being kind of rough. And I was like, man, what the heck? Jesus is a whole lot kinder than I am. What's going on? And I just began to pray that Jesus would just fill that area and just teach me, because I obviously needed a little more faith. I needed a little bit more closeness. I needed a little bit more of his spirit that day in that area. And I just wanted to challenge you to take that home with you, and to ask Jesus to open your eyes to where he wants you, what he wants you to see about him this holiday. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, 
I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that it's not by strength or by might, but that by, it's by your spirit, Lord. By your grace that we're saved. And Jesus, without that work on the cross, Lord, we could believe in you all we wanted. We would still be condemned to hell. But because you took our sacrifice in our place, all who believe on you will never perish. We thank you, Lord. And again, Lord, if you would have made that sacrifice and if we would have never believed, it would have done nothing for us. And so we thank you. We thank you for the fruit, for the promise, for the gift of faith today. Let us be in awe, Lord, but let us believe. We glorify your name in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.